What do you do? Man, my kids are getting older. Uh, no, wait, so let me say this. Is it finders, keepers, losers, weepers? You guys all remember that one when you're younger? Don't live by that. Or do, or do you return it? You have a mortgage, you have a car payment, you have bills. I mean, kids need to go to the dentist, college is coming up, retirement. I mean, so many things. I found this money. God gave it to me. <laughs> that might be my first reaction. This is a gift from the Lord. I have no idea why it says Wells Fargo on it, but it's a gift from the Lord. But the reason why I ask this is because when we look at, at, at the text we're going to be looking at today, you know what? Let's pray and then we're going to read our text. Let's pray. And then I'll, I'll finish that thought. Uh, dear Lord Jesus, we thank you so much. We thank you for your word to us. We thank you for your grace to us. Lord, may we learn to engage your word in the same way you did, Lord. Jesus, you repeatedly pointed to the scriptures. You knew them. You lived them. Lord, may we do the same. May you call us. May you help us to engage the word of God in all things and in all ways. This morning, may your Holy Spirit have its way in our hearts, in our minds, and in our souls. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay. We're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. You can either A... Look, look up at the screen and, and, and read along with us. You can B, take the Bible out from in front of you. Or C, you can close your eyes and just listen to the story. And I'm going to read it to you, okay? Here we go. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered him, it is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I give to you, he says, if you bow down and worship me. Jesus says to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended him. Before I start to preach on this, I'm going to tell you a little story that really doesn't have anything to, it's just, it's more about me, okay? Um. It's, it's barely related to this text, but uh, I went to a two-year Bible school called Athabas. In between the two years, the two, the two years school, in between the, the two years that I was there, I was home, and my pastor said to me, hey, Brandon, you want to preach? And I had taken a preaching class. I'm like, yeah, I want to preach. Yeah, sounds great. So this was the text that I had picked to preach on, my very first time preaching in my home church. I got so so nervous that I froze. And then when I unfroze, I preached the whole message. And this is not a joke. If, if it went five minutes, that's being gracious. I mean, I went up there, I was like, spit every word out, and then I was done. I said amen. 
few football fans in the back are like, amen, best sermon ever. All my friends were ready to roast me. They were going to make so much fun of me. So then, uh, I'm a, this is still part of it. So then my mom passed away unexpectedly about, it's almost four years now. And uh, at my mom's funeral, this guy walks through the line and says, Bray, I'm really sorry for your loss. And he gives me a hug. And then he looks at me like, like, should I say this? I'm like, he goes, do you remember that time you preached that five-minute sermon? <laughs> and we both started to laugh, and it was, in the, it was in the perfect moment. You know, it was like, I needed that, man. It was so good. So anyways, today, um, and now let me tell you about where I'm at with this text. I don't believe this is one of those texts that you should preach in one Sunday. So there, there's three temptations in here. There's three big things, and there's actually even more to it, and we're going to cover like two parts of it today, and then I'm going to stop my sermon, and, 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 I, and I don't even know if I'm going to come back to this too much. Over the next four weeks, I'm going to explain some stuff to you at the end of the message today. Hopefully it makes sense, okay? So, so, um, but, so today what we're going to do is we're going to look at the first temptation, and, and we're going to start by, by, by looking at this text, and it says that, then this is what I want us to see, that Jesus is going out to the wilderness, and as he's being led out into the, to, to the wilderness, he is led by who? Who is he led by? The Spirit. Good. And that is the same Spirit that we see in Genesis. We believe in the Trinity. You know, sometimes we, we, forget, we, we come to church, and, and, and Pastor Paul or I will share these pretty little stories with you, and... and, 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 and and we forget that, that there's a theology that, that helps make up what we believe. And it guides us. And, and part of that, that very important thing is, is that we believe in the Trinity. And in the Trinity, we believe that, that there's one God. And then we believe that that one God is, is Jesus Christ, God the Father, and the Holy Spirit. And, and this is like, whoa, but that's three. And they share Godship. But the Holy Spirit, which we see in Genesis, is the same Spirit that, that leads Jesus into the wilderness, okay? And it's the same spirit that when Jesus says, when I leave you, I will leave a helper for you, okay? So we have that same spirit, but I want us to just to see that in this text. We see, that we see that Jesus is being led by the spirit. But then the text goes on to say that Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And it says, and Jesus was hungry. And I want us to stop for a second because we need to understand something about Jesus. Jesus is God. Again, this is one of those texts that has a lot of theology in it. It's, it's a great story. I mean, it's, it's not a story. It's a great message of truth. It's, it's, it's part of our theology. Um, so Jesus is God. He is one with the Father and one with the Holy Spirit, as I just said. Um, and in creation, we see the, the Holy Spirit hovering over the world, um, as I already mentioned. We see God the Father speaking creation into ex existence. And then we also see God say when he makes Adam and Eve, he says to them, let us make them in whose image? Our image. And that's where we start to see the three in one. Jesus has been there since creation. Jesus is a part of creation. We're going to see that next week too, so I'm not going to go on too much of that. But one of the things I need to see is that Jesus himself is God. And, and, and when he steps into this world, we celebrate this at what time of the year? Christmas. You guys are good. You guys are really good. And we celebrate that because he comes in this world to be our sacrifice. And today is a big part of that because when Jesus steps into this world and he's walking into the wilderness, we need to understand this. He does that for our benefit. 
When Jesus is being led into the, the wilderness to be tempted by Satan, he does that so he is like us in every single way. In Scripture, we see Jesus get emotional and he cries. In Scripture, we see Jesus get hungry. In Scripture, we see Jesus feel pain when he's on the cross. Jesus, we, in Scripture, we see that Jesus is born and Jesus dies. And this is important because when we look at who Jesus is, we must see that Jesus is just as much human as we are. It says in Hebrews 2, 14, it says, Since the children have flesh and blood, he, Jesus, too, shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil. Jesus came into this world um, laying his deity aside, his godship, godship aside, to be 100% human in order to go through everything that we go through. Now, that's a lot of theology, okay? So let's get into the story a little bit. And as Jesus was being led into the wilderness, he gets tempted in every way. And this isn't one of those times. You know, I think sometimes in life we could see this happen. You ever see someone be like, hey, you know, that's so-and-so's kid. We better take him easy on that person. You ever see that in life? Like, like, you know, he doesn't have to do the extra running at sports because that's John's son or that's Ben's son. You know what I mean? You know, you, you can work with someone. If you ever work with someone who, who, who their father or their dad or their uncle or their grandpa owns the company, people think, oh, he gets the easy jobs, right? Follow me? This is not one of those cases where Satan takes an easy on Jesus because he's God's son. It's actually quite the opposite. In this text, and I, and I, I tell you this because I think we, we just be brushed over it sometimes. Oh, Jesus was tempted and he beat it. No big deal. Listen, it is a big deal though. Because if Jesus gives in to one of these sins, the world's condemned. Then my, then my salvation is not held secure. He would no longer be the, the perfect, unblemished, sacrifice, Lamb of God. This is where Satan goes for the juggler. So in verse 2 it says, Jesus is weak and hungry. Satan comes for him. And it says, if you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. What is Jesus' response to Satan when he says this to him? Scripture. Look, 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 at, look at, is it verse uh, 4? What does it say? Jesus answered him, and then what's the three words? It is written. It is written. Let me read verse 5 to you, the second temptation. Okay, I'm going to read verse 5 to you. The devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Look at verse 7, my friends. Jesus answers him, and he says what? Say it. I'm not going to say it. It is written. Okay? And then we move on to the third temptation, which is in verse 8. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan. And then he says what? For it is written. Each and every time that he is tempted, Jesus responds with, it is written or it is also written. When we are tempted by Satan, our response usually follows along the lines of this. Can I justify my actions? Um, 
Can I find somebody who will agree with me in my sin? I mean, can I immensely get to the place where I can justify the sin that is in front of me? Someone recently asked me a question, uh, um, and they said to me, hey, Brandon, what do you think about, and they gave me, they just asked me about this one particular area, and I'm not even going to go into it today, but this is my response to them. I said, what does God's word say? I don't know. Well, how many books have I written? Did you laugh at me? She, she's so encouraging. I mean, she, she fills my cup daily. My wife laughs at me. Okay, Jenny, how many books have I written? None. Who cares what I think? My job as your pastor and as, as a person who, who, who proclaims the name of Jesus is to point people to the scriptures. That's my job. Don't, that's what I do. Like, it doesn't matter what I think. There's a couple of things in the scriptures that make my life harder. That's the truth. But I submit to him because what God's word tells me to do. When, when, when we have these, 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 these opportunities to sin before us, I'm going to tell you right now, my first reaction isn't what does God's word say. But it should be. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you a funny one here. I don't know if any of you guys, uh, any of you guys watch Friends? I'm a Friends person. Anybody? Okay. Those of you that don't have your hands up, I feel bad for you. There's this episode of Friends, and there's these, there's these six main characters, but I'm going to tell you about three of them. It's, it's the three I'm going to tell you about is Ross and Rachel and Monica. And there's this episode where this guy named Ross gets married to this, this other lady named Emily, and, but, when he, but when they get married, Ross says the wrong name at the, at the altar. Yeah, it gets in trouble. So Emily gets mad. She doesn't talk to Ross. And then during, while... Ross is trying to find Emily to fix this. Rachel goes up to Monica and says, I'm still in love with Ross. I think I'm going to tell him. And Monica says, no, you can't do that. Monica says, you know what? Matter of fact, you, you, not only can you not do that, you shouldn't do that. It's wrong. And she says, you can't even find one person who's going to agree with you. But see, the reason why I share this with you is because that was actually good advice. But, like, the problem with this is this. Sometimes when we're tempted to sin, we'll go find the one person who might agree with us, who might tell you some silly nonsense stuff like this. Well, if it makes you happy, then, yeah, I mean, you should do that. You know, you deserve that. You ever hear stuff like that? That's, that's the craziness of this world. That's how Adam and Eve got in the position they were in. God said, do not eat from the tree of good and evil. And, 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 and then Satan comes along and says, but did he really say that? And then we always look at Jesus, and Jesus and, and, and the theologians of the world, they, they call, they call um, Jesus the second Adam. Because that which Adam didn't, wasn't able to fill and do, Jesus did. But the difference is when, when Adam was tempted with Eve, they, they gave in. And when Jesus is tempted, he points them to the scriptures. You know, a, a, another response we have when sin is around us is, is this. Will I get caught? Because if not, I might do it. We act, and this is the big one for me. Just because your fellow man, next door neighbor, husband or wife or your kid 
Just because they don't find out about your sin, God still does. God knows. God knows the heart, mind, and soul of each one of us. So Jesus engages the scriptures when he's tempted by Satan to sin. And I want to ask you a question. Is it your natural tendency to engage the scriptures? Uh, it was, hopefully it comes up here. I don't want to jump on a, on, on a line here. But Jesus points us to the scriptures and Satan points us to, to, to sin, death, and destruction. John 10.10 10 says this, The evil one comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but I have come to give life and give it to the full. Let's go back to that first temptation. Jesus is hungry. He's been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, and Satan shows up, and what do you think he tempts him with? Food. The thing that he thinks he needs the most. Right? How do you respond when you're hungry? Isn't there a new word out there that we kind of made up? And, and, and it's, what, what is it when you're hungry? Hangry. Thank you. And, 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 and hangry is almost like a justification to act a certain way because you were hungry. Right? And in Satan knows he's hungry, so the first temptation he brings him to this is what we look at as our biggest need. You know, if we're playing a football game, and in the football game, my team has a really good running back, and the other team has a really poor run defense, like they can't stop the run, what does my team do the rest of the game? Run the football, right? That's what I do, is keep doing it. They can't stop it. That's their weakness. I think sometimes, like when I read that verse before, that even when it comes to kill, steal, and destroy, that we pretend that that's not real, and that he doesn't know what my tendencies are. Our weaknesses is that we don't know the word of God and we don't trust the word of God. That's been our weakness since the beginning of creation. We don't trust God to be the one who provides for us. When, when I asked you what would you do with the $212,000, to be honest, I'm, God don't ever let that happen to me because you will be so disappointed in me. Right? Because Brandon will be more likely to, to trust that $212,000 to provide for all the things that I think I need and I want instead of trusting God's word to me and God's provisions to me. And you know what that makes me in that moment? Adam and Eve. God gave Adam and Eve everything that they needed. They didn't trust it. That's our history. Our history is, is, is not trusting God's word to us. And Jesus engages the word over and over and over again for us. Adam and Eve, I already said, didn't trust God's word. They ate from the tree. Israel doesn't trust God's word. God says to Israel, I am the Lord your God and I will deliver you. Do they trust God? Over and over and over again, they don't trust over and over again. Oh, when we, they would rather be slaves and have their bellies full than to trust God to deliver for them. Um, I can, I'm going to come back to the next couple of temptations in this, in, this, uh, in this text over the next couple of weeks, maybe. 
really, I'm just saying that so you think that I'm only not preaching half the text, but I probably won't come back to them. But, but I'm going to say something about this text. Here's what it is. When Jesus, the first thing I want you to know is this. When Jesus stepped into this world, when he was tempted by Satan, and, and, and as he remained sinless, he died for our sins so that we might become sinless. That is our identity. Our identity is in part of this text. When Jesus defeats sin and he remains sinless, and when he dies on the cross for us, that becomes our identity and he becomes ours. He takes our sinfulness and we take his uh, sinlessness, okay? And, and, and when we read this text, we place our hope and our trust in the work of Jesus Christ. Because two times in this text, we see Satan say to Jesus, if you really are the Son of Man, two times, if you really are the Son of Man, then, then turn these, these rocks into bread. And think about it. Jesus has a history of turning, doing miraculous things with, with, with food. He takes the fish multiple times. Two times he, he multiplies fish and bread. He changed his water into wine. Jesus has the ability. He delivers manna in the Old Testament. He has the ability to do that which he's being tempted, but he says, no, I am going to trust in, the, in, in, in God's word to me and not in the word of Satan to me. But the big thing about this part is when it says, if you really are the son of God, and I think Satan, what he does is he's great at, at, at getting us to sin. Hey, Brandon, do you really think you're a child of God? Don't you remember all the bad things you did when you were in high school? Don't you remember all the sinful things you did last week? Don't you remember? That's Satan's move. He wants to identify me with my sinfulness. When Jesus died on the cross, I then become, and this is how, where we came from. This is the whole beginning of this, this, this whole sermon series. It comes right back together. John 3, 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life, right? That's Jesus engaging this world. And that whoever believes him shall not perish, but shall have eternal life. That's my identity. That's who Brandon Pangan is. That's who you are. You are not the sin that you identify with. And when we talk about sin, I talk about like, hey, in your head, you know what? Somewhere inside your head, if you knew you could get away with it, would you do it? Here's the truth. Each one of us has done it. We do do it. You do have that secret sin in your head. It is not your sin any longer because it's Jesus. Because when he died for you on the cross, he took it from you. Satan just wants to remind you of it and make you think it's yours, but it's not yours. That's the lie. That's why we engage the word of God. Second, it is my job as your pastor with Pastor Paul here and with Matt. It is our responsibility to lead you in the word of God. It is my, I, I should guide you in every step of your life towards the scriptures, towards the word of God. That's what my job is as a pastor. And I'm a little scared to make this next announcement. Because there's a part of me that thinks you won't follow me. There's a part of me that thinks that, that, that what you hear me say next is going to be like crazy talk, Brandon. If it's my job to point you in the scriptures, so the next four weeks when Pastor Paul and I are preaching, we are going to be preaching on what the word does for us. We're going to be looking at how the word became flesh. 
how the word gives life, how the word uh, guides us, rebukes us um, in life. And the fourth one will be the word reminds us of who we are in Christ. That's where we're going the next four weeks, okay? That sounds pretty great and pretty easy, right? The part where I think you might not want to follow me is at the end of the four weeks, we're going to start another sermon series. And that sermon series is called this, The Bible in 90 Days. Whoa, there it was, right? I'm going to do my best to line up Bible studies for you guys. There won't be Bible studies. There will be Bible reading. I'm going to do my best to line them up for you every single day almost. You can come when you want to go. Come, come when you want to. Do it at, at home on your own. You don't even have to do it. But I'm going to encourage you to read the Bible in 90 days. I want to show you something, okay? This is the good old Lutheran study Bible. The ESV. Pretty big, right? Man, this is what I use almost never. It's, it's probably my favorite translation for when I'm studying and, and, and doing sermon prep, and it's great, okay? But uh, in here, it is, well, I don't need to go that far. It's, uh, man, 2,240 2, pages, okay? This is the Bible in 90 days. Okay? This is the Bible in 90 days. This is regular font. This is the Bible. There's no footnotes in this. There's nothing like that in here. This is just the Bible. So how do you read this in 90 days? So here's how you read it in 90 days. You just read 12 pages. You read 12 pages a day. And if you did that for 88 days, you'd read the whole Bible. So where are we going to go in about a month? In about a month, I'm going to encourage you guys to get in groups. I'm going to go find June, and I'm going to ask her to do this in her group. doesn't mean that they will, but I'm going to go to your Bible study group leaders. I'm going to blind people up here at church so that when you come in, you say, man, I don't know if I can read that. All you know what? Hopefully all you have to do is come in, and somebody will read it to you. Or you can go get the Bible on, on uh, what do I have? What's it called? Audiobook is what I got. I have an audiobook. I just put it in my ears, and I listen to it. And then what we're going to do is this. I don't even want you to do Bible studies on this. I want you to just read it and then write down all the questions that you have as you go. As you hear it being read, that you write down questions. And as you write down questions, at the, end of the, at the end of the 90 days, you'll turn in your questions to me, and about six months later, I'll organize them. And we'll preach through all the tough questions we have. Because this book, from beginning to end, always points us to Jesus Christ. That's what it does. So... Brandon, I don't know if I have... No, let me, let, let me say something to you. Let me say something to you. I'm almost done. Um, if I walked up to you and said, hey, I have a job for you. It's going to pay you about $120,000 a year, but it takes three months of training. You got to do three months. For three months in a row, I need you to give one hour to this training. How many of you would do it? Would do it? Every single one of us, right? Yeah. But if I said to you, hey, I really, want you to, to, I really want you to grow in your relationship with Jesus, so I'm, I'm inviting you to read for one hour a day, and it will benefit you not just here on earth, but, but in, in eternity, all, throughout all of eternity. I don't know, man. That sounds, I guess I got a lot going on in my life. Is that correct? Yeah, I yeah, know. I'm a jerk. Well, when you phrase it that way, Brandon, I guess I have no choice. No, you do have a choice. I'm not going to make anybody do this. But my job as your pastor 
with Pastor Paul is to guide you and point you to the Word of God. I'm going to be honest with you. I have started this eight times. I've never finished all of them. When I fall behind or I miss a day, I don't go back. I miss that day. You know, I'm going to talk about this more as we move forward. But I want you to start praying about doing it, okay? I'm also going to find out how much these books cost because I have my own. I'll see how much they cost. If you want to purchase one, great. If not, I'll just post what you need to read each, each week so you don't have to buy another Bible. But my goal for you is this. What if you only did 27 of the 88 days? Would that be more than you read the previous year? What if you only read three days? My goal is that we grow together in the Word of God because the Word of God points us to Jesus all day, every day. Amen? And we have a great God who forgives us of all of our sins, and that's what this book is going to point us to. In that, let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your Word. We look, I look forward to the next four weeks of, of preaching with Pastor Paul on these messages, Lord. And may you be the one who speaks to us, Lord. May you encourage us to, to spend time in your word. Even if we only did 10% of the readings, maybe 10% where we hear about you and all you do for us, Lord Jesus. So, Lord, we thank you for your many gifts in life. We thank you for the forgiveness of sins. We thank you for, for 